hopefully you guys are all having warm thoughts of being deep in Uranus. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's that's uh, that's been playing out for a couple of weeks here. Now. Oh my gosh, that poor Uranus is going to be worn out by the time the meetup. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see how many bikers we can fit in Uranus. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> that's prison talk. <laughs> that's what I've been told. <laughs> you know, that's what. Never mind. I'm not even going to go there. No, right. please. Please, no, go ahead. no, no. <laughs> I might be crossing the line. Welcome back to the Five Dirty Bikers podcast. Presented by Memphis Shades, the clear choice for custom windshields and bearings for your motorcycle. And wild-ass seats stay in the saddle longer and in total comfort no matter your butt or budget. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. We got another special guest episode. We have Chris and Heather Cowan from Cycle Source Magazine. You guys, thank you for joining Five Dirty Bikers podcast this week. Thanks oh, for having us. Yeah, excited to be here, man. So how's and, uh, how's Pennsylvania? It sucks. No. <laughs> here comes, here comes the fan here. mail. Like, <laughs> here it comes. I am not from here. I am a transplant because of him, so it will forever just suck. Um, <laughs> well, where are you from originally, Heather? <laughs> Go, ahead. Go ahead. I'm originally from outside of Boston. Okay. So we're like two minutes from, from Heinz Field where we're at you know really like in, in the country nice. but if if you yeah, don't we could root, be in like 25 minutes if you don't root for the Steelers where we live they they literally will come to our house and move our shit out it's like yeah, you, <laughs> you just, it's, you know? they got their ass whooped last night no dude so Heather, Heather is packing all her stuff to move here with me and we're going through you know what she's bringing and what she's not and, and we get to the the absolute drawer full of Patriot stuff and I'm like Listen, yeah, you got to burn that. Uh, hell no, that ain't <laughs> happen. You can you can bring it, but you just can't wear it outside of the and house here. Just like here, like here, people are like you're born with black and gold in your blood. Well, where I'm from, you're born a Red Sox fan and you're born a Patriots fan. It's just it's how it is. And I didn't think much of it until one day, I had to go home for an emergency. And I was just like bumming around the house cleaning and had yoga pants and a Patriot shirt on. And I had to like emergently go get a rental car and drive to New England because my mother was in the hospital. And I had told the rental car company this and I get there and the guy's like giving me shit about my Patriots gear. I've got tears strolling down my face because <laughs> my mother's in the hospital yeah. and he's dogging me because I have a Patriots jersey on. I was like, yeah, I had some <laughs> not nice words come out of my mouth. <laughs> But yeah. Oh, so God. you guys are Eastern time zone. Where are you guys at? About 20 minutes north of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh, cool. Pittsburgh. Cool. Yep. Love Pittsburgh. Which not a lot of people do the cheering Pittsburgh thing, but. Dude, I'm a huge, <laughs> I'm a huge Penguins night. fan, and I go about every other year for a game with my, my right. wife. Oh, right right on. on. Yeah, I love My son's city. up there. He said you guys got like eight inches of snow the other day. We're, we're pretty close to a foot here, and it happened in the last 12 hours. Like, it's just. Yeah. A foot. Are wow. you telling fish No, again? no, I'm the one that had to, shovel, <laughs> I had to shovel the damn yard out today. I can tell you all about it. <laughs> yeah, he's oh, over yeah. closer to Washington. 
Yeah. Well, let's be serious. 20 bucks is 20 bucks and 12 inches is 12 inches. There it is. <laughs> That's a lot of snow. Well, yeah, Ryan lives north of the wall, so he yeah, deals are- with the. I mean that that's good. That's a good snow total. I mean the the temperatures are probably rookie numbers, but where are you at? I'm uh I I live about a hundred miles from the Canadian border, so oh. I live in Grand Forks, North Dakota. So mm. the only thing that we can claim to fame here is that we have uh, our college nothing. here in town. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> our college here in town has the most uh the most college hockey players right now on uh, the Stanley Cup of any college in the United States. Right so, on. Hmm. Yeah, we have we have this small like sixty thousand uh sixty thousand person town and we have a law school, a medical school, and a hundred and twenty thousand or hundred and twenty million dollar hockey arena for our hockey team. Wow. That was uh that was built by one single donor that went to our college. Wow. Uh, all, the, all those hockey players you should have a <laughs> medical school too. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. We right. have uh mutual friend if you if you guys ever know the the fable of santa claus from the bonneville salt flats um tom is santa claus's real name and he he's a dairy farmer from from uh from wisconsin he fielded for years and years this thing called the uh the buell brothers and the buell sisters where they would bring people out to bonneville and in their own effort of fielding bonneville bikes they also provide this thing called the experience bike and anybody that wanted to try to take a run at bonneville they would like get on their buell and take a ride. You had to bring your own leathers and, you know, all your safety gear, but they help you, you know, get that experience. Well, Tom's other big passion is the frozen four. So anytime that the frozen four would end up in Pittsburgh, he would get all the tickets and he'd come to town for, you know, a couple of days and we'd take in games. And that's like some of, some of the best hockey I've ever seen or college hockey playoffs. Yeah. It's, it's a, uh, it's re- it's the real deal. They, they are, and up here, you know, we get the Jersey chasers too, because, uh, half now there's so many blue chip athletes on our team that, uh, um, the majority of them, I, I would say that I'm trying to think right now, I think we have 17 players that have signed pro contracts already before they even start playing college hockey. So it's a, it's, it's a little bit of a, a weird phenomenon too, because, you know, then they get away with whatever they want to in town. So, <laughs> you like know, varsity like, blues. The, the local, yeah, it's it's for real. Like the local bar will close at like midnight on Saturday and then all the hockey <laughs> players will go in there and like, you guys all know that half these guys are 18 and 19 years old, right? <laughs> so, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's was, a, I remember I was I was bouncing a titty bar. Can I say titty bar here? No problem with that. <laughs> I, was, no I was head of security at the titty bar Um Whenever I started Cycle Source, that's where it came out of. I ran my little aftermarket shop in the in the daytime. Then I would drive out by the airport to the biggest club in Pittsburgh, and we always hosted all the all the teams that came in from out of town. They always spent a night with us, and we did our damnedest to get them intoxicated beyond the point of being able to play the next day. <laughs> <laughs> anytime Solid. anything special would happen with any of the teams, like I can remember when the Pittsburgh Penguins signed Darius Kasparitis oh. and. At the time, Lemieux was still really involved, and Yager was there, and they came in, and it was, you know, they were ushering in Casparitis, and he comes to the door in his little suit, and he's like four feet tall, comes to the door ahead of everybody, and he says, we're penguins, and I stopped him on his chest as he went to walk by, and I let, you know, Lemieux and all the guys, I knew all of them, and I said, listen, I said, they're penguins, you just got here. 
So, uh, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. <laughs> no lamp dance for you. Yeah. Nice. That's, that's big dick energy right there. <laughs> yeah. I, I, sure so, dude, so many stories from there though. Like, you know, in the motorcycle and, and thing crosses over a lot at the, at the strip club. But I can remember one night I had to, I had to keep Randy Macho Man Savage from beating the dog shit out of a guy for pinching his ass. <laughs> One of my takeaways there is a big night, big night. You have, and, to, you have to do it. Well, because like, he's he's constantly in character, right? He never comes out of character. That is, oh no, that, yeah, yeah, that was who he was, right? So he's like, oh, you think that's funny, fat boy punching another man's ass? I'm gonna fuck you up. <laughs> I don't know, man. Should I should I beat his ass? Or? No, no, Mr. Savage, Mr. Savage, please, please, let's just let's get this. Under control. Have a slim Jim, calm down. <laughs> you know your lights night's going to be interesting when you have to when when you have to refer to somebody as Mr. Savage. You're not kidding, man. At a titty bar. Yeah, at a titty bar. This is going one of two ways. This is oh. not going good. What was his name? The worst one. He was a football player. Oh, I I wonder if I can even say that publicly. But it's it was true. It was true. It was true. Mike Mike, Mike Dicka was the most lecherous old bastard I ever had. To face. <laughs> he's, he's from Pittsburgh, right? And like we had so much respect for him because other than me, I was at the time I was three hundred and thirty pounds, and I was the Ooh. smallest guy on the staff by a hundred pounds. They were all ex football players, and. Everyone had mad respect for him, so we treated him like kids' gloves. But he was forever doing the most dastardly shit to the dancers. We were, <laughs> and, and almost every time he ever visited with us, we had to throw him out by the end of the night. You know, and it was a very polite, like, you know, hey, coach, you know, looks looks like we're coming to the end of the night here. So good seeing you again, you know. Mm. Now get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Oh, man. But, yeah. But how about you guys? How about congratulations first and yes. foremost for here? Wait, congratulations! Oh, oh listen to that. <laughs> right. we, we couldn't even believe it because just being nominated, we were like, "Oh, we're nominated." That that that's more than we ever expected. Then we actually won. I was like, "What the fuck just happened?" <laughs> I mean, I well, couldn't believe it. You know, the funny thing was the day before Tony and I think Dust and I were talking, and we were we were all three like. Okay, so we didn't get it because if we would have won, they would have told us right before yeah. it was announced. So, you know, no big. It was great being, uh, you know, being nominated. And then the next night at like, what was it, 1030? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's, everybody's cell phones are going off. It's like, oh, my God, you got to get on YouTube. That's awesome. <laughs> well, and that's, yeah, a, you know, that, that's kind of what we wanted. And I, I, listened to your, I listened to your show the other day where you guys were talking about, and I, I appreciate I appreciate that you dig where that comes from because, you know, a bunch of years ago, like with without any education or anything, we started this magazine just because we're motorcycle people. And I can tell that's the same place that you guys do this from, you know, and I, I wanted to always have a magazine. It was like, you know, the cover says by bikers for bikers. It's by people for people, you know, regular blue collar working people. And I, I wanted when we when we finally set down the tenant of having, you know, an annual award deal with the magazine and I wanted people to be responsible for that. I wasn't giving away the responsibility, but I wanted the people to actually have a voice because so much of this industry is driven by marketing dollars and, you know, 
and popularity and shit like that. I, I just wanted to have this thing that really lets people express how they're feeling about things. And it was, it was awesome that apparently that was conveyed to you guys. You get it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, for sure. Thank you for, for, for doing that and, and having an award and, and putting this type of thing out there for the, for the industry. Because I think that one of the things that, that I, I even talked to the guys at SNS at mama tried um, this in December. And I said, I said to those guys at that event in, in the beginning of December, I said, you know, I said, there's no way that, you know, that we're going to, that we're going to win this award. I said, everybody in our category is connected to the industry. You know, SNS is in the industry, you know, Jace paints bikes for people in the industry and, you know, all the stuff that Jason is doing. And, and I said, I said, there's no way, I, but I, I was blown away even because um, like how we heard the <laughs> announcement, um, both times we heard from fans and it was both That's like awesome. somebody DM'd us and said, Hey, you guys got nominated. Congratulations. And we, we were like nominated for what? And then they, <laughs> they sent all the links and everything to us and we we're like, Oh, this is amazing. And we were just so pumped about that. And it was the exact same thing. I mean, it's 1030 at night. I was sitting there and I got this DM and I looked and it was like, and it, all it said was congratulations on the win. And it was from somebody that went to an event that we had, We hosted an event called the Midwest Moto Meetup in 2019. And um, he had come to that event and had been following us since then. And he's the one that DM'd us at 1030 at night and said, congratulations on the win. And we were like, I was like, what did we win? (laughs) It was, it was, it was so far removed from, you know, just out of, out of my mind. And so it was, you know, an honor for us to have been nominated, like we said, and that, and the group of people was was amazing and then um the fact that we won was was again um certainly humbling because um we are just a bunch of assholes that get together and talk about motorcycles because we love them and uh and people and, it, and it's resonated with people and we try not to take ourselves too seriously too so. that, that's, that's awesome. the thing i heard you say that on a, on a couple of your shows and that's the thing to the, that's really important about this like especially in the, the new media release category for me for what we do this is a really important category because how we communicate to each other and and how we how we group together and decide you know what's cool what's going on alert each other of the changes that 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 defines who we are as a culture and the evolution of our culture but when when the accolades come directly from everybody that's just in that community that's the most important thing because a lot of times as the industry and i'm not saying anything bad jason's podcast absolutely kicks ass the stuff that they're doing with performance times at sns i I couldn't be happier that more people are starting to get involved in this technology because it does give the average person a clear-cut view a perspective inside of this thing and, and let them know that there's real people behind us. But especially in regards to five dirty bikers, because you guys are regular off the street people, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So having that, having that voice and having that ring true, that's one of the most important things for our industry because it keeps us grounded. It, it's the thing that will keep us forever immune the, to the whims of popular culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. And it's yeah, and, sure. it, and we've always wanted it to be, and and hopefully we're conveying it. We, you know, we could we try to um, that. You know, we we kind of had shaped the podcast like we are just five people having a conversation. And if you walked into a bar and sat at our table, that's what we want it to be like. You know, you happened yeah. into this conversation that we're having. And, and, and you get to join in on it. And, and that's kind of the, the premise of, of how we 
you know, how we structured it. And then, you know, obviously we, we have, we have topics that we talk about and, 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 you know, obviously by everything else you've been able to listen to, we, we interject a significant amount of humor into it. Um, and so, so I, because I couldn't see the video, who, which one of you is the one that like out of the conversation every once in a while, you just hear somebody go, man, fuck Indian. I get to put a face with the name now. That, that's really important. I mean, because this is the reason, you know, we've fooled ourselves for so long with motorcycle media that those conversations actually didn't happen because they didn't have a place at the, you know, official tables. You know, it was improper to have that kind of conversation go on. But those conversations are really happening. They're happening in bars. They're happening in people's garages all the time. And that public opinion that's out there, you're not going to change that just because it's bad for your pocketbook. You know, it right. is what it is. And that acknowledgement, that acknowledgement is good and it's refreshing. And I think it's one of the things that as as motorcycle media as a whole, we need to have a little bit more of to be able to move this thing forward. And that's why when, you know, things like Jace's podcast, you know, sometimes sometimes they get a little deep in the bottle and that that his podcast gets buck wild. But those are the conversations that really go on, too. That's how it happens, you know. Yeah, it is. I, I think Rurock will never have anything to do with it. <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> Not a chance. No. Not a chance in hell. No. The thing with podcasts. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brad. I was just saying we did we did 20 minutes on Rurock, <laughs> and I talked about how um, I was going to take it out in my backyard and use it to pick up dog shit. And then I think somebody else said they were going to take the Rurock and fill it full of what's that stuff called? Tannerite. Tannerite. And mm-hmm. shoot it. And so it would explode. So, yeah, we, we, we definitely, we definitely lit them on fire. So. Yeah. yeah. And going back to podcasts, it's almost like this medium is almost like going backwards because everything now is video and short shot video. Yeah. It's like almost like listening to old school radio and yeah. A lot of people gravitated toward it and it's it's kind of kind of neat to see really no it, it is man it is and I, and again i think it's you know we talk about all the time like we have uh some of the best video content that we do our live content is just we'll put a camera up in the room and it'll be heather and i hanging out in the shop and talking about stuff people want exposure they want to they want to be on the inside of stuff and that that kind of thing gives them access but having the 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 comfortable approach towards addressing this like i listened to you guys the other day you were having a conversation about the new harleys and i loved that it was you know five different people five different opinions you guys were bouncing back and forth on the the what ifs and i hope it's not this and you know and that's that's we're really good at that yeah, <laughs> we, our our opinions are strong to quite strong. Yeah, and it's eighty five percent of it's bullshit, but still we make it sound pretty good. But grounded in truth, bullshit grounded in truth. Yeah, sometimes you got to get the boots on; it gets deep. Yeah, I, I think I, I think one of the things we've talked about too is that you know we're all from different areas of the country. We all essentially ride different styles of bike. And, uh, and we, and we enjoy different things about motorcycling. And so that allows us to bring a different perspective to the table, which isn't, which isn't always easy. You know what I mean? So that sometimes, uh, and, and, and we can be humbled too. And, and I was, I was absolutely humbled this year by SNS because I was talking about my, my, uh, motorcycle and I mistakenly called it a performance bagger. <laughs> and, the, and the guys from SNS were like, Oh, they they got really excited. And they were like, tell me, you know, like, what have you done to your bike? And so I, I listed all of the, uh, aesthetic things I've done to my bike. 
<laughs> so I haven't done anything to my motor yet. I haven't done anything to the brake. I haven't done anything to the suspension. And they're like, oh, so you have a performance looking bagger. <laughs> and I was like, it's an aesthetic. I mean, you have to love the look too. Yeah. And, that, <laughs> and that's the thing. In spite of the history behind that company of the, you know, cause like literally the company for anybody watching that doesn't know the history of that company, it was started by one man that used to take his motorcycle to the drag race track. You know, and like he would come back with results and make improvements and go back to the track. And that was their their first part ever was push rods, lighter yeah. push rods for a knucklehead that he raced, you know. So it still holds true that the people that are there today, they make look different than some of the original characters out, out of the SNS history books. But they have a circle track right outside the door. Like they're they're all about. I think the cows are gone now, though. Yeah. But they're all about they're all about putting it to use, you know, so their parts are fantastic. Yeah, I love them. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about Cycle Source Magazine a little bit. You guys started this back in what '97? Yeah, yeah. As a free local newsprint magazine. But you know what I'm curious about though is earlier Chris said he was working at a titty bar when he came up with the idea of doing the magazine. I'd like to hear that story. How did how did how did you start <laughs> yeah, the magazine too. from the titty bar experience? Listen, it's it's so biker like in the in the traditional sense of the word biker. I was uh, I was bouncing at a titty bar, and a buddy of mine was getting ready to do a two-year bit for a gun charge, right? He was a previously convicted felon, and he had a shotgun behind his counter for some bullshit that went on in his shop. So he's getting ready to do this two-year bit. I bought the whole shop of him, off of him for $5,000, like all the, the parts and accessories and everything. Took over the lease on the building, and I start running this shop. So I would run the shop from 9 o'clock in the morning until about 5 at night. My buddy who needed a place to live, it just, it just like when I hear myself say this shit, I don't know how we ever did this. He needed a place to live. His old lady threw him out. So I said, look, you can stay in the back of the shop. When I leave at five o'clock, run the shop till nine. That pays your rent. So he signed on to that. I would go out to the titty bar and I'd work till, you know, two, three in the morning and I'd make the hour commute back home. And we were doing this over and over. Well, he goes to Daytona and comes back with a, a free publication at the time. There wasn't Thunder Roads yet. There wasn't, you know, full throttles, like none of the um, the uh, the branded, you know, that across the country. It was individual publications had just started popping up. And there was one out of Florida called Florida Action Biker. And he had brought it home with me to show me something. It was a, a mobile service solution that these guys had this trailer outfitted that if your bike broke down, you called them. They came out with a the trailer. They fixed your bike right on the spot and you went back to, back to your business. And while we're looking through it, I'm like, he's like, dude, we need to do this mobile service thing. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, we need to do this magazine because I appreciated so much like you were, you guys were saying, I'm from a part of the country right in the tri-state area of Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Ohio, where like, this is, this is a large cluster of, of active motorcycling. Like this is where a lot of it came from. A lot of the, the riding, you know, the part sales and everything depends a lot on all the way through the rust belt, the rise and fall of the part sales go based on our seasonality. Well, I didn't feel like as good as I, I loved a bunch of them, the national magazines, but there was nothing really showing our, our regional difference, like what it was like to, to be a, a motorcycle rider here in the tri-state area. So we, we borrowed a computer from one of the strippers, like <laughs> we set up a little room in the Tell back. Them what kind of camera you use? Uh, the, I still have some the of webcam, them here, right? 
No, the uh, the old member when there were still such a things as photo huts and photo development centers, and they oh, had yeah, yeah. You know, little throwaway cameras. So we would go out and take all our pictures. We would do the feature bike and everything with that, and then take it in, have them developed, and we'd have the the photo scanned in, and it was. We just thought we were hot shit because, hey, we got into all the parties for free. We got to take pictures of chicks on motorcycles. It was pretty cool. <laughs> Everything was going good. And uh, that first issue was supposed to be February of 97, but we went out and sold all the ads to, to print the first issue. And we were printing like a massive, you know, 1,500 copies or something, you know, and uh, – sat down and realized that none of us could use a computer. So we had to put the whole first issue up. We went to our buddies that ran this little magazine called the Go-Go magazine. It was a free magazine for strip clubs. And they taught us a little bit about, at the time, it was uh, PageMaker and Photoshop. And and a month later, we came out with our first issue. Did you expect uh, it to, like, continue on? Because I know, like, these guys, no. when I joined their team, they said they kind of started it and didn't ever expect it to go as long as it has. No. And I mean, that that's the the best thing about it. Like I wanted, you know, the first first cover was my shovel head and my stripper girlfriend at the time. So if, if that was all we had done, I would have been pretty good with it. But, you know, for some reason, motorcycling is the greatest thing. I, I say this thing all the time that motorcycling saved my life because I was headed down a really bad road. And I found my way to motorcycle people. And I learned the most amazing things from people that were outcasts for regular society. I learned values and respect and respect for myself and how to take care of myself and how to keep my word. And, you know, and at the same time, when I finally got to this crossroads, it was motorcycle people that even though I'm, I was bad at spelling, I was horrible at graphic design that our pictures, that first issue, when you do newsprint, there's, there's a uh, thing called dot gain. And you have to set up a, a grayscale and all this yep. with your images. Well, I didn't know anything about that. So our first issue, our pictures were black or white. Like there was no shades <laughs> of gray. <laughs> so like my bald headed buddy did the first tech article and he looked like powder doing something to a motor. <laughs> Damn that boy's pale. <laughs> Something's wrong most, with this. People like they can see, they can see real passion and they assign a value to it. And, you know, they just kept encouraging me, man. And we come from a really good part of the country where in a hundred mile radius at the time there were, 17 Harley dealers and 34 aftermarket shops, you know, so we had a, a really good bed of content and support and, you know, and it, it, people just kept believing in, in me along the way. And this one, the most. Well, that's <laughs> <laughs> let, let me ask you, Chris, do you, do you have a copy of the original? Yes, I do. I should have had this ready. I apologize. I'll tell you what, we're all going to have to bump up our audio after this. Cause Chris is fucking killing us. It's the Howard Stern show with, yeah. with Chris. Yeah. He's putting Howard Stern to shame. Yeah. What he doesn't tell you is that because he is so humble, not only did he use a borrowed computer and a throwaway camera, but you dropped out of high school in 10th grade. Yeah. While so, I still knew everything. Yeah. Right. So there's, Look at that. Wow. There check it, it out. Look yeah. at that. And there, let me see if I can find the powder picture. <laughs> but yeah pictures black or white just check that out <laughs> no gray and like he used to have to lay all this out on these big boards and yeah there was no there's powder doing our tech tip there is yeah. not an uh, ounce of pigment in that man's skin <laughs> that's right <laughs> yep 
It was so bad. I couldn't believe they let us do a second issue. I couldn't believe it. Well, it's like us with our first podcast. I mean, we don't claim it, but we do because you got to look back and see where you were and then see where you are now and just say like, hey, we put a lot of time and effort to this. And like you guys, like I, I read, I read not the, this is the issue with the nominations in it. When I went and picked it up, the the new one hadn't hit newsstands yet. I was really hoping it would, but I, I'm glad I'm getting both. But this this magazine is very well laid out. There's great photos in it, great articles, and there's one in particular that I need to bring up to Mister Tony because he would appreciate don't br- it. I don't bring me into this. Oh, you're so into oh. it, man. Oh fuck. <laughs> so there's there's one in here. Let me let me find it real quick. Bear with me. No oh, God. So even I mean he's been doing this for 25 years, coming up, and it's evolved so much. Even in the past. Even in the past five years, the magazine's changed. It's continuously evolving and continuously changing. And, well, just and you the know, challenges of, of staying in print is just, yeah. it's phenomenal. I mean, the job that you guys are doing, I know it's challenging. You know, well, and what most people don't understand, it's not its not that there's, you know, a, a problem with, with print media that people don't want print media anymore. Because especially in motorcycling, there's three generations that are at play here. You know, there's still plenty of baby boomers that are out here. There's still plenty of Gen Xers like me that want to read a print magazine. The problem has been for two decades now, it has been the the magazine distribution industry in the United States is the most crooked, corrupt thing that there is. And it selling drugs is more oh, legit. Yeah. It's more it's more uh, uh, transparent. Transparent. You 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 know what's going on in a drug deal with with <laughs> magazines. You you just don't. I mean, because if if you consider <laughs> any other retail situation where you put out all of your product and then a month later they tell you what didn't, didn't sell. And for, for a successful publication, you're operating at a 70% waste factor. So that means you have to factor in 70% of the magazines you send out to the newsstand are going to go in the garbage. And that 30% at the end, you have to figure out profitability and paying your staff and you know all the distribution costs and everything and even that you don't get that money until six months you know so if you're doing a monthly magazine get ready for five more of those and it's just a it's a really crooked situation when you first went to the national newsstand what 16 years ago now he was losing straight ten thousand dollars a month oh my gosh and i'm not who dictates that percentage that you sell though because well, you have to take their word for it. You do. Yeah. And if you they give you they it? give you a little paper receipt that says honest, this is and it, like here's the deal with it. You can't even ask. We've asked for the the leftover copies back. I'm like, look, just ship them all back because we pay to ship them four or five steps before they get into the stores. I said I'll just pay to have them all shipped back to one central location, and we'll come pick them up. And they're like, sure, it's fifty cents a copy to get our own magazine back. That we've already paid for. Jesus. It's so, so they just They just make it such a pain in the ass because they don't want to deal with the fact that you'll sit there and count all your magazines and go, okay, look, you're, you're lying. Like your math is off. And the problem is you're really at their mercy because if you question it too much, they'll be like, yeah, we're just not going to sell your magazine yeah, just anymore. Just don't send your just magazine. Just don't send them. But, or, you oh, know, they, they fell off the truck. Not, Sorry. Not to cry about that. That get everybody a little inside look at that. The number one thing that's important about what it is that we do and what you guys do is, t- is telling those stories. You know what I mean? So through the whole evolution of cycle source, when new technology came up, I found ways to incorporate it. Like when there were network 54 message forms, 
we immediately had one of those. When there was a MySpace, we had a cycle source MySpace. Like the whole way through, up until what was it that Amelia turned me on to? Snapchat. Our, our daughter turned us on to Snapchat, and she was like, "Dad, everybody's using Snapchat. You got to use this." And I was like, "Okay, it's the it's the neat new thing, right?" So, you know, we had <laughs> Facebook, we had you know Instagram Twitter. and YouTube and Twitter and all this stuff going on. I said Snapchat. I said, "Hey, good news, everybody! I put it out all over." all over Instagram and everything. We, we have a cycle source Snapchat that night. I got 300 pictures of people's private parts. Right. right. <laughs> the next day I told her, I said, listen, we don't have a Snapchat anymore and neither do you. <laughs> that's over like you're, you're no more snapchat so now everybody's raving about tiktok and i'm like man no. fuck tiktok yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there i don't it know is. though man if you still got titty bar connections they could explode on tiktok, TikTok man you I'm come up out of there 45 minutes later no better than you were when you went in 45 minutes is gone I refuse to install it. No no TikTok here. I'm just going to let it settle. I'm going to let it simmer for a little bit. Based on my Snapchat activity, I'm I'm just going to, I'm going to see how TikTok plays out for a minute. We we had, we had a bike builder on, uh, she goes by Halerization on um, Instagram and she's from, she's from Canada and, and her stuff is all TikTok. And she actually described a part on a motorcycle. She called it the Lorena Bobbitt. Because it was a part that cut all men's dicks off because it, it made them, it, it made all men cry. And, and we, we had to have her on once. We, and we found her through TikTok. And you found her through TikTok. Yeah, I was going to say, I, don't pull us all down that TikTok. Don't pull us down that TikTok. <laughs> I'd rather slam my nuts in the car door than look at TikTok. <laughs> and she said, she said, this is what she told us. She goes, she goes, TikTok's algorithm is so good that she said, TikTok knows what you hate watch. And I was like, what's hate watching? She goes, you know, that she goes, you know, all that shit that you watch and you don't want to claim that you watch it. And I go, oh, you mean like all those dance videos? And she goes, exactly. No. She goes, I have this. She goes, I have this friend of ours. She's like, he's he's the biggest like prison biker you'll ever see in your entire life. And he and, and he'll go, hey, look at my TikTok feed and tell me how come I get all these dance videos on here. And she goes, because that's what you're watching all the time. He goes, I don't watch these fucking dance videos. And she goes, oh, you do. You hate watch these videos. And TikTok knows it. You can't, you can't lie to the algorithm, baby. You no, can't do it. That's right. I'm just goes, wondering. I'm just exactly wondering how much time. I'm wondering if this app like records your facial expressions and there's some there's somebody like 24 seven just watching you all day yep. well they like that one i saw the eyebrows go up yeah just <laughs> the more of that shit over yep, yep. Oh, <laughs> we're gonna send it we're gonna send them more of those dance videos they like that yeah fuck tiktok <laughs> did kimoto do one on tiktok <laughs> uh, oh, oh yeah i uh i dressed up in drag for a halloween episode this year and they dubbed me kim moto and and it was it was very odd afterwards because all of a you sudden, fan base. Oh yeah! All of a you sudden, all of these one. people in our Discord have this. They're asking when Kim Moto's coming back, and I'm like, I'm I'm really uncomfortable with this, guys. That you are so keyed into this, you know, per, this this man in full drag with a full beard. And I, I know, think you should pose for their magazine, dude. Hey, whatever. <laughs> I got two. Co- I got colleges for two girls to pay for. Uh, you know, I, I'm not. There you a, go. You know, a side hustle is a side hustle. You know. <laughs> Somebody wants to see my cleavage on a motorcycle. (laughs) It's a little hairy. Oh, (laughs) literally. So yeah, 
all, all of this stuff goes on. And I mean, I don't want to take anything away from, from Heather sitting here with me because Heather was actually the operations manager of broken spokes across all the country. Like when broken smoke spoke was at its, its peak, she was, she was running all of them behind the scenes. And that's where her and I had that, that motorcycle commonality where we started working together. And yeah. uh, man, she came in like, honestly, kudos for her too. And that's the, the same thing that we're talking about, about having the passion for motorcycles. But she didn't know anything about graphic arts, didn't know anything about social media. None of the, you know. No, I ran a bar. I ran a giant <laughs> campground in Sturgis and I ran bars in, in New Hampshire and Florida. Like, that's what I did. And then I met this one that did not have a big enough warning label. <laughs> i don't think That's any awesome. of us do oh no you have no i should have known like i should have known because we were friends for a long time before we got together and the shit he would do at my oh, bar listen, was first, ridiculous like how we're even friends let alone married is amazing our first interaction she threw me out of sturgis <laughs> I threw you off the campground. Pretty much. I, back in the day, we we did this thing called the Limp Nicky Lot, and the Limp Nicky Lot was buck wild. It was when I was still a young man. Guys like Pat Patterson, Paul from Bare Knuckle Choppers, like we we all grouped together and we made this thing. We set up together thirty of us, thirty different shops that were all young, building you know crazy choppers and bobbers, and it was it was all low rent, and I mean you know a hell of a lot of fun, but. Never, never really made sense for anything more than the, the activities. So somehow the broken spoke gets convinced that having us there is a good thing. Because you can sell ice cream. <laughs> so like seriously. We're all there. 30 different builders. All there. This is at the campground. It's 600 acres in Sturgis with like the main bar is, is, an, is an airplane hangar. It's 30,000 square feet. And their big claim to fame is you can drive through the bar. So to, we do. Park your a motorcycle. Lot. We're having mini bike races one night and uh, the mini bike races go down through the parking lot around the back through the bar, come out. There's a tight left-hand hairpin turn and go back down through, down through the parking lot again. Well, everybody was getting really good at this. At this point, there was nobody was wrecking. The races were real tight. So I got off the one mini bike and every time they came to the hairpin turn, I threw a hazard at them. First time, it was Defense. one or two of them fell down. Second time, it was a bunch of ice. Two or three more of them fell down. Next time it was gasoline. I lit it on fire as they came through. Jesus. <laughs> God damn. It's a $2 million fine to have an open flame and stir just in a drought. Because yeah. <laughs> when it's a drought and stir just, it's a, you, I mean, you're, it's a yeah. drought. And I'm 600 acres of. Yep. Strong. She came well, up. That is information that would have been good beforehand, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think they'd be stupid enough to light it on fire. Well, I, I probably mean, would have done it too. It's, it's See, we're men. Yeah. Like you give us a gasoline and a match. What do you think we do with it? I mean, <laughs> very, very little encouragement. One one time they decided that they oh. were they were gonna they were gonna curb our excessive behavior by treating us like like we were celebrities. So they gave us our own night. This, this whole, was this not was my idea. Limp Nicky last night. The they told us get get whatever band you want. We're gonna give you guys the VIP area and we're gonna stock it with booze and all this. So we get um Nashville Pussy. Nashville Pussy is the band. That's solid and band. They put, <laughs> they, they put us in the uh in the in the in the VIP. Which area. overlooks the stage. It overlooks the stage behind the stage. Well, underneath it is the band's green room. Mm -hmm. So about halfway through the night. 
we're up there. Everybody's drunk. There's fist fights. We dump over one of the beer coolers and, and the band's clothing and equipment well, just gets yeah, they're ruined. Ex, like they're some of their instruments. Oh yeah. And, just, yeah it, it, was, it was, it was a, it was a complete shit show. And the next day I literally got the speech from her and Jay Allen. They sat down they said, you know, Chris, it, it's it's not that we're upset with you. We're just disappointed. Oh, oh, oh the word. Not that. That's oh. a kick in the nuts there. And, and, and he pissed was, at me. Yeah, yeah, that was the final shock. Like he had already driven a tractor trailer through the bar. I didn't drive. <laughs> I just sent it. <laughs> I, I went I went for support. He told me that he was doing this. And uh, the funny, the funniest thing, I still remember the look on his face because we came in hot into the into the doors and he made a hard right hand turn and I knew he wasn't going to make the turn. And we slammed into like a hundred year old gas pump. The glass from it went up in the air and there was there's video on YouTube. There was 60 people hanging off of this truck. And I was like, dude, let me get some of these people off the truck. And he looked at me. It was like the scene in a movie when everything gets quiet. And he looked over with this horrifying grimace. He goes, no, no. The chaos is part of it all. And he jacked that truck in her smashed some more shit. And I was just like, wow. <laughs> so, Heather, you still needed a label? Oh, jeez. Well, he had, like, for, he took a little bit, of, he stopped drinking. He took a little bit of a sabbatical and, you know, got real serious with the business and the magazine. And we had remained friends for a long time. And I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's not as crazy as it used to be. No, but. it's not. It's He's not as crazy. But I will say, like, I think part of the reason he is still here and still has Cycle Source and has launched another magazine is because he truly is not afraid to try new things. Like, he'll be like, oh, let's let's try this column. Let's try this show. Let's, yeah, you know, and he just he gives everything he has and he goes for it. And if it works, that's awesome. If not. He goes well, on to the and next you know, my, my number one guiding rule is none of us are as cool as the motorcycle. I mean, that's the, yeah. you know, the motorcycle True. is is the star. So, like, if if you try something, it's not it's not necessarily about you. It's about it's about this community, all these people, all the stuff that we do, and the motorcycle is always going to be the star. Yeah, and and with this community, it's absolutely the more real you are and the more honest you are, the more they embrace you. Like, even a few years ago, when when my daughter and I first moved to Pennsylvania um, seven years ago I think she had I had always kept her very sheltered from what I do has it only been seven years right it was like a freaking lifetime but anyway I always kept her sheltered from from everything I did at the broken spoke and and that lifestyle and whatnot but when we came here she came out on the road with us to the events and to the rallies and she worked our booth for us and she helped run bike shows and so after her first season, he's like, you know, why don't you write an article? And I'm like, what the hell do bikers want to hear from a 15-year-old for? Yeah. And she wrote an article about the motorcycle world from a teenager's perspective. And she wrote that column because it was so well-received yeah. until she went to college. Very cool. Wow. Like, they just, That's everybody awesome. embraced her. And she they, had fan mail. Yeah, she like, would get fan mail and shit. people wanted to That's know what cool. Yeah. And it's just, like I said, they're so welcoming and they embrace as stereotypical hard-headed as they are. They actually are very open-minded and they embrace new ideas and, and new new outlooks. So that was that was awesome from that point. 
Yeah. Oh, amazing. Biker Speaking of outlooks, sniffs out bullshit pretty quickly too. I think that's the that's the one thing that I've you know that you you figure out really quickly. I mean, and not our bullshit, you know. Yeah, they haven't not figured like that this, one out yet. Yeah, it's it's yeah, too complicated. Right, it's too complicated bullshit. No, just that you know the the like you said the biker community embraces being real, right? And so, um, and if you're real. If yeah, yeah, exactly right. If you're if your real isn't for everybody, you'll find your real, you'll find your click, your group within that. Yeah. You know, there's so many different places to land in the motorcycle community that you don't have to be a club guy or whatever. You can find your click in there because all of those things exist, like you said, Chris, around what's cooler than all of us, which is the motorcycle. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's what brings us all together. And so it's a it's an interesting I, I always find it interesting that that all of these people from all of these different areas are brought together and and what what the people on the outside don't know and, and we don't need to tell them because they don't need to know that but the biker community is also probably um i would say the most generous community um, you know out there and 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 we just did it we we proved it last year um one of our own that uh one of our friends that runs our discord he's the kind of the admin of our discord which is just a chat server that people from the five dirty bikers can come and join in on and he was in a motorcycle accident and he's still actually recovering to this day and um we just put a call out in in less than a week we had raised five thousand dollars that we just sent him um yeah. to cover his expenses and bills and that kind of stuff and and we reached out to some people that we had on for guests and said hey would you just mind posting this on your instagram and we had people donating that we to this day we have no idea who they are that's awesome but they but they were part of the biker community and that was <clears throat> that was just that's just a testament to to the people that um that are in the community and, and what it's like you know kind of you know once you're once you're a part of it and once you're on the inside it's a it's a whole lot different than those people that stare at us from the outside and and judge and have uh, these very specific feelings about what it's like. So, Chris, going back about ten minutes or so, I did find that article that I read that I wanted to share, especially with Mister Tony, because this uh, this reflects onto him too. Now, the, Tony, d- d- Tony, Tony hold on, dude. You'll be fine. <laughs> You'll be fine. Tony is notorious for keeping his bike look showroom or better clean, right? Hey, man, the shit has to be tight. You can't show up on a dirty ride. (laughs) I'm just saying. So respect for the old days that you wrote. I read, you know, read the whole article (laughs) and you had this guy teach you, you know, not only to keep your bike clean, but why? Yeah. So what we find out is it's not only going to keep you safe, because when you're cleaning that bike, you could find if there's something wrong with it. Yep, but, yep. Loose stuff. Yeah. But not only that, but you keep the people that you ride with safe too, knowing that your shit's tight. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, a lot of that, man, you know, even, even the bike games, you know, everybody likes to play the bike games, the bite, the weenie, the barrel roll, the slow race. I, when we hold these events, I tell people all the time, I'm like, you realize where this comes from, right? Like this was, this was a readiness check all the way back in the day of, of AMA road runs and AMA motorcycle clubs, this was a way to make sure that you qualified to ride with the group. If you could handle your machine, you could, you could navigate through things. You could, you could do things with it. It was, it was proof that you were, you were road ready. You were ready to be with the group, you know? And I mean, even in that article, I think I talked about what, what the old guy went on to tell me was even the fact that you, 
keep your motorcycle clean, you keep your, your clothing clean, yourself clean. It, it, it promotes an air of, of self-respect that you have respect for yourself. You're going to have respect for the group. You're going to have respect for other people's things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Show up, you show up like a, a dirt ball. You don't have respect for yourself. There's little chance you're going to have respect for anybody else. So see all four of you all can kiss my ass. <laughs> <laughs> As long as, as, as long as it's clean, Tony. As long as it's clean, brother. It's I'm not going to lie. My motorcycle is, like, never clean. I'm horrible about washing it. Well, you're not too far from Tony in Lexington. He'll have to give you a uh, crash course. Yeah, on. I'll just yes. keep showing up to his house, and, and he'll be so aggravated by it. Uh, I'll when just get a clean bike. Dustin, when Dustin came and visited, I mean, I was out in the garage cleaning his shit. I was like, this is terrible, dude. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> can't ride this. We uh we we went on a ride uh at, at our meetup this last year and it was Tony and and uh, Percy and I and we were scouting out the ride we were going to do with our big group and it was good that we did because there was a ton of construction and Tony was taking us around all these these turns and corners and we didn't know where we were going we were in Kentucky and we went into what looked like a rock quarry and it was the, the whole ground was covered in this white dust big fucking mistake. And we we turned we turned around in a circle, and we were all standing there. And I look over, and there's this big, huge water truck that's coming coming past us. And I look down at the ground, and I say, and we are all on comms and our helmets. And I go over to Tony, and I go, "Hey, I go, hey, Tony, the ground isn't covered in white dust. I go, this is cement dust." And Tony goes, "What the oh, fuck no. are you talking about?" And this water truck goes by. As it's spraying the ground, and we have to we have to drive our bikes through this ground that's covered in now now wet cement dust. Mm. Oh. And oh, if you no. can about imagine somebody who is absolutely insane about how bike how he I I've, he was he's like I'm we we gotta go he's like the event is canceled <laughs> fuck this I'm going home my bike needs to be clean he's like I will never get this clean I'm training it in right now I'm taking it to the dealer they can take this motherfucker back it's too dirty. <laughs> he was, he was Dude, that shit was everywhere. It was up my back. It was on my helmet. I mean, it was everywhere. Do you no. ride in the rain? I will. It's not he my that weekend. Well, he actually weekend. doesn't really ride. He's you know no. he trades in a bike with like three hundred miles on it. <laughs> I got the not. next day, the next yeah. day for that meetup, it was raining, and Tony he they, he came out with them. And he showed up, and like the first thing he did, he was like, "I'll go home. You can kick me <laughs> off the podcast. I'm not riding in this." Was, this was before oh. I joined. I heard well, it you, off in the distance. I thought it was hilarious. What you guys don't know is he would not have shown up for that ride if I wouldn't have been staying with him because he's Probably like, not. "I don't know." He's like, "I don't know." It's raining. I go, "Tony, they're all waiting for us. We cannot stay here at your house because it's riding raining." Riding in the rain is not fun. <laughs> I go, there's just a couple drops of rain. He's he like, there's not a couple drops of rain. Well, he rides a street bob and I ride a Road King special and I've got lowers on mine. So we show up there. I've got a small patch of wetness on my jeans about this big. Tony's completely his <laughs> jeans are hanging off of him because his there his pants are soaked from the knees down. He goes, I don't know what's wrong with you motherfuckers wanting to ride in the rain. <laughs> hey, I rode an hour to meet you all. And I yeah. put on, I didn't have rain pants, so I found the only pair of wind pants I had, and I, like, bungee strapped them to my pants just to try and stay dry before I made it to Louisville. <laughs> now, see, I will, I will tell you, in <laughs> contrast to the, the keeping your bike clean editorial, 
a bunch of years ago. It was one of one of my first trips. I've been I've been to Bonneville Soul Flats a, a bunch of times, almost almost a dozen times for the the Bubs motorcycle trials. And one of my first times there, I wrote an article called Appreciation versus Depreciation. And it was the counterpoint to this, you know, because every morning we would get up, you know, from the, the hotels and everything at, at Wendover, Nevada. We'd ride out to the Bonneville Salt Flats and there would be this group of guys and, you know, six or eight motorcycles. And they were beautiful motorcycles, but they were parked right at the boat ramp. And the boat ramp is right where the pavement ends and it starts salt. From that point, you have to ride five miles to get to where the pits are, where everybody watches all the all the, the salt flat action. Well, those guys would park there every day and walk that five miles. And I was like, Holy man, wherever you came from in this country, if it was 100 miles or 1,000 miles to get to this point, you are at the fucking Bonneville salt flats. Ride your motorcycle. Yeah. I mean, even if you just ride it out, like just go slow. When you go back tonight, rinse it off. But you're at the Bonneville salt flats, you know? So it was a big conversation about, you know, what's, what's more important appreciation or, or, or depreciation, you know? Yeah. We're very much believers in a motorcycle is meant to be ridden. You know, we, mm-hmm. we do have a touring bike, but we have mostly choppers that Chris built and those are our daily riders. They're nine feet long, sometimes longer. <laughs> they have a seat that's about, you know, this wide and it's a king queen and we'll ride, you know, three, three, four hundred miles on that. Runs and a GoPro on the back of it and takes pictures. And, you know, when we go, that's that's what we do. So man. when it rains, you get wet, you get muddy, you get dirty. When it rains, you ride wet. like this. So that that spray that comes off <laughs> yeah. that goes over you. There's no front fender, you know, it's. Oh, <laughs> it's it's really like there's a difference between and this is a whole separate conversation, you know, bikes that look pretty and bikes that ride great. Yeah. It, yeah it's and, true. and they are built to be ridden. Yeah, um, I, I have an appreciation for that. I mean, I I, I, re, I reiterated that or strengthened that in me when I went to Mama Tried um, that I, I can appreciate motorcycles that look like showpieces. But I'm I'm absolutely on the same page with you guys. Is that I believe that motorcycles were built to be ridden. I, I mean, I don't how old they are or what they look like or whatever. To me, they you know it, it's a machine and it, it was built for riding. It wasn't. It's not built to to look at. I would never want to own a motorcycle that was either so expensive or so unique that it was just sitting in my garage as a paperweight. I mean, mm-hmm. I just, nope. I just, when I see a bike, I think about all the adventure that comes with that, not just staring at it and, and polishing it, Tony. I'll tell you what, you can, <laughs> I got something for you. <laughs> no, see, we even, we even started a show at the Galveston rally called the In Motion Show. And In Motion was some of the, you know, it was Jeff Cochran, Will Ramsey, Bill Dodge, you know, some of the, the biggest names, Rick Bray, all coming together for a, a, the possibility of one winner taking away $10,000, but it had an 80 mile ride in it, you know, and, and that was it. Like I, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty staunch advocate and you have it first and foremost, it has to ride. If, if it is, I, I don't, I don't buy into the whole, form and function. this is a, this is a, a form of art and you know, this is, this is motorcycling. Like first and foremost, it's about riding that machine. You want to make the most beautiful bike in the world, have all the crazy tricks on it. If it doesn't go down the road and it doesn't have to go coast to coast, but you have to be able to ride it, you know, like mm-hmm. 
if somebody picks up and says, Hey, we're going to do 80 miles. And you're like, I don't know. That's maybe. And we've had a couple people decline our invite because they're like, yeah, it, it, it can't do it. I'm like, you know, wow. and no disrespect, they've built amazing machines and they're beautiful. And I do give them kudos for actually stepping up and saying, yeah. you know, it's a showpiece. It's not meant to be ridden. But at that mm. point, it, it doesn't actually qualify. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And good you for you guys, guys you get, sticking, sticking to that, too. I, I love that. Yeah. You guys feature beautiful motorcycles in every issue. And there's one I'm looking at here in particular that really caught my eye when I was sitting on my couch was this Brother Love Bike by Mr. Yeah, yeah. Ian, uh, Mr. Real, I think his name is. That's one yes. of our writers. God, if we, you know, Jared Weems is who's building a Sportster out for us for our autism yeah. charity uh, raffle, you know, something like that. You know, Jesus, that craftsman, the craftsmanship and detail and everything. Listen, I wanted, to give you, I wanted to give you a little bit of uh, inside information and direction on something cool you could do with Jared in that project. Because I heard you guys talking about it, And that ties into, you know, some of the things that you were talking about, about, you know, motorcycle be, people being the greatest people in the world and the most charitable. That goes into, you know, very old world values of taking care of your own community, you know, like mm-hmm. in the spirit of barn raising we still have that within our community that when there is a need, it's not, it's not like we need an excuse to party. And that's why, you know, we do shit like this. It comes down to community. And when I heard you guys talking the other day that, that one of your, one of your kids is actually on the spectrum and shares that in common with, with Jared. And that's where, you know, originally the bike build and everything comes from, you know, that is, that's about community to direct charity, you know, that, that we'll take care of it ourselves from within. But a little extra piece of information for you guys, that amazing Triumph that Jared built that was never a real motorcycle that came out of the David Mann painting, mm-hmm. in that same painting sits a Sportster that's yet to be created. So that would be that would be the trip with Jared. We, we started talking about it with him like somebody should do that. Somebody, you guys are doing a Sportster project with him. You should build the other bike from that painting. Can you imagine the photo shoot? Oh, dude, <laughs> with those two bikes together, well, because well, he built a, Hollywood a, Run too. Yeah, because it's yeah. a chopper, which is right? in that bike, which is in that painting also. Right. So it's a Sportster chopper. If that gets voted on, you know, because I think a lot of people voted on choppers so far. They we'll, did, be, yeah. we'll be revealing the the results Other of round bike. one today, which will be next Monday. But yes, we'll be yeah. revealing round one's winner. Damn it. Why didn't we talk to Chris and Heather earlier on that? <laughs> it is absolutely out. still a possibility. Yeah. yeah. It just, it's just got to land on the right, the right bike, you know, right on. but yeah, that's a great idea. I love that. That is a great idea. <laughs> I, I would, I would want to do that photo idea. shoot myself. I would oh be, my God. It'd be, it'd be so epic. It'd be so epic. I would and need to wear baggy pants that day. I'd build a fucking <laughs> hot dog stand. Right? Yeah. Yeah, Tony could build the hot dog stand. I could build the hot dog stand, man. We could just do it upright. Yeah, per- Percy, per- yeah. Percy could pedal hot dog water. <laughs> Why is that my oh, job? And think about, think about, you know, the next, the, the next uh, Chopper Fest that you could have a giant print of that, of that original painting and a giant print stand, of the, the photo. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. And instead wow. of a couple of girls serving hot dogs, it'll be Tony. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get Kim Moto out there. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Kim Moto should be dealing with the wiener water. The hot, yeah, you're you're old enough to know what wiener water is. So I mean, <laughs> you got voted as wiener water boy. I'm sorry. Who are you talking to? 
Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Grandpa. I should show you some respect. <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> Man, fuck. All right, Discord friends, FDB's about to answer your questions. Make sure you head over to 5DirtyBikers.com and click the link on the homepage to visit our Discord and become a member. Brittany, you want to pull those up? I was not prepared this time. <laughs> oh, come on. Oh, man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you had one job. One job. You got one job. <laughs> Good timing. All right. The first question comes from C. Shroom, and it says, what would you say have been the largest challenges to keeping your print publication going? That's a good question. It is, man. And I mean, you know, the, the apparent answer would be the, the economics of it, you know, because like, seriously, you don't, you don't know stress until you start, you're, you're trying to figure out how to pay a $50,000 printing bill every month. You know, like that's, that's when shit gets real, but you start to, you start to get that, you know, reeled in. And I'm not, I want everybody to know I'm not a man of any means. Like I didn't come from a family with money. I have no family left other than, other than Heather and her family. So it's, it wasn't any financial backing. It was a lot of people, you know, helped out along the way and the, and the magazine built up to the point that we could shoulder the kind of debt that we did, but it wasn't even so much the economy of it is never losing faith in yourself, you know, like, because shit happens in everybody's life, things get tough. You know, you have, you have suck ass days, even the best days, you know, doing, doing the dream job of, of being involved in motorcycles and I get to build bikes and go to all these great places. I've met all my heroes. There's still days where I just don't want to go to work, you know, and, and when it's, when it's at its darkest and, you know, the two of us are fighting and it might be a time where money's tight or, you know, we might've done something stupid in the magazine that somebody's pissed off about not losing faith in the overall picture, you know, knowing that for 25 years, win, lose, or draw, nobody talks about what a man or a woman does in their life, uh, you know, of, you know, making a, a median level income. They made a, they made a decent living. They did good things with their money. Nobody tells that story, but if we could have a chance to actually affect something in the culture, the community that's around the thing that we love for our whole life, that would be, that would be a real achievement. You know, having that picture in the back of your head all the time that, you're part of something that's that's bigger than you and you have a, a very real role in it, you know, and not losing faith in that. So let me ask this. Is in this digital world we're heading towards, are you seeing a lot more downloads of the magazine as compared to print, like say from fifteen years ago? Not not so much that. You know, here's here's the important thing, and I don't know how much you guys know about our program, but what we actually do the print magazines part of the media stream that we deliver. So we do cycle source magazine, shop talk weekly multicast. It's a, a show like this that also goes out in podcast. Um, it goes through 15 different social media channels at one time in a multicast fashion. We do, um, you know, plenty of live streaming, plenty of linear video development where we go into people's shops or into our own shops and do it. So it's a nonstop circle of media now where, you know, it used to be we did a couple ancillary things that supported the magazine. The magazine's just part of this long stream of things. So the to answer your question directly, there was only one good um, 
digital flip book magazine is what you're talking about, a digital magazine. There was only one good one of those ever. And it was a magazine by uh, Richard Branson, who's famous for the whole Virgin everything. He did a thing called Project Strange, strangely enough, and it had more additional content to it than anything ever. I'm sure it was like a bazillion dollars to make it, and that's why there was never a second one. But he did the perfect digital magazine to show the world, like, this is where digital magazines would have to go to find a place in the market. There's never really been a, I mean, there's, there's a lot of people that get it. There's, there's definitely a value to it. But like I said before, having three generations in play and the media consumption habits being what they are for, for the average people in, in community today, you have to participate in all of it. You know, it's not a, an and or it's not an either or it's it's all of it, because I have people out there that are Facebook only people. That's the only place and the only way I'm going to reach them. Same with YouTube. Same with Twitter. There's people that are diehard Twitter. That is it for them. That's the only way to get it. There are still print people. There's still news blog people well, that follow our news blog. And you know? in all fairness, through covid, we did have to, to stay here and to maintain we did adjust our production schedule to to bi monthly, much to our. Um, but it was well, a very difficult decision. Ma- but mainly because through- we lost half of our distribution by all the retail places that closed. Like in one month, we lost. You know, Barnes and Nobles was one of the biggest ones, and stores were closing left and right. And it was like, okay, well, you know, financially at that point, you have to you have to adjust, and eventually you know, we'll, we'll get back to the monthly, but where as I was, it sits. where I was going with that is even through <laughs> COVID, our subscribership went up over yeah. 25% yep. and it's still growing on a regular basis. Nice. Wow. People still like the tangible. There is something about, and I don't know if it's because we are grassroots and we, we do try to keep it very down to earth and very real, but people still want to hold that magazine in their hand. And, you know, no disrespect to any digital platform because the work is the work. You know, if you're doing a bike feature on a digital platform, you still have to collect the photos and write the article and you nope. still have to put it together. But there's something about when you call somebody and say, I want to feature your magazine, your bike in our magazine, that they're just like, they get to hold that and they'll be able to pass that on to, you know, to their kids or to their parents. And it's different than seeing it on a screen. Yeah. You know, there's such like, value in just a physical like the connection, tangible. right? Yeah, yeah. They, physical connection right. with content is just hugely valuable. Yep. And you yeah. know, uh, big big media companies now, like Fortune, wrote an article about this about the um, the condition of post millennials and and tech burnout. They're starting to return to more tactile experience, and that's everything from reading magazines and books. They prefer textbooks and classes. They want to go rock climbing and learn how to work a machine at work again. Because they've, yeah. you know, unlike our generation, we were kind of, you know, in the in the bathtub that was warmed up as we sat in it. They were right off the bat. You know, post millennials had cell phones before they even knew anything different. And they were part of technology that whole time. So, you know, in, in a very understandable fashion, they're suffering from technology burnout and they're looking for their free time to be filled with the, the yeah. counter opposite. I think with a lot of things, it is cyclical, <clears throat> like fashion, you see the cycle you know, vinyl records, you see the cycle, people want vinyl, vinyl records, records and, and things <laughs> like that. You know, our daughter is 24 years old and she's very fortunate right now. She's on tour for her job. So she tours all over the country and she's in a different city, city every week. And the first thing she does is find out where the local bookstore is. Yeah. So today, you know, yeah. she, yesterday she didn't have call until 
you know, 1130, she went and grabbed a coffee and went to the local bookstore and then she went to work. And that's what a lot of her, I see a lot of her generation doing. <laughs> so I think with everything, it is cyclical and, and people are just, they want that tangible. I just can't believe the nineties are back. Oh, <laughs> I saw Vanilla Ice do a TikTok the other day talking about how awesome the Why are you were. watching a fucking TikTok? TikTok dude? Somebody's got to run it. <laughs> All right, the next one. You know, this isn't a good sell for Android, but my phone doesn't want to unlock. I've got it. You're fortunate. My iPhone will save the day. Then the next one is. It's also from Seashroom. He says, what trends have you seen bubbling up from the builders in the last few years? Okay, so um, this is this is kind of twofold. So obviously one of the biggest trends we're following is the, the performance thing. And, and not specifically performance bagger. And I don't even want to say like the BRL versus the, the, um, the king of the baggers. But the performance thing in general, like we're seeing the influx of a generation now that's dictating the trend that that motorcycles are pushing more to function. You know, we're, we're seeing like actual race tune suspension and, you know, actual motors that are, that are balls out horsepower. And we're seeing a lot of that performance stuff. And so much so that that's what Heather was talking about. We, we helped with a, um, a third party, Jason Holman. We, we launched a magazine called Torque and that is uh, dedicated to the performance twin category. As far as the, um, as, segment. as far as the the choppers and the custom scene it's you like know, old as gold yeah like seriously skinny mm. skinny is ruling like everybody has gone so deep into the the skinny chopper thing they've actually it's funny like you know for a bunch of kids that never were even alive for for the 70s the first time around or or probably even to hear firsthand accounts of it they've gone so far into the seventies that they've literally cut out their own space in it now because the bikes that they're doing, you know, as much as they reflect that, that time period, they're nothing like what was going on in the seventies for real. And I didn't know this myself. I was building a a 49 pan head that I thought was a tribute to my old man and the seventies chopper and the whole thing. So in my head, I'm playing these reels of his fiery chopper that came down from the heavens and this perfect machine. And, and one of his buddies brings by a, a shoebox with some pictures in it one day. And it was the most cobbled together piece of shit that I ever saw in my life. Because <laughs> they didn't make those parts for, it wasn't like you could go to lowbrow and get chopper parts for a bike back then. You know, it was shit that they were getting from different bikes and repurposing and they didn't have they had buzz boxes they didn't have like i can go up in my garage right now and whip out my tig welder and do some impressive shit i don't think i could have done something as impressive with a buzz box you know so So, i guess the easiest way to say is they're paying homage to that era but they're doing it with new and improved technology and the way a lot of these guys are melding the new and old is just stellar look at um what's his name that took builder this year christian newman christian newman and what he's done with putting twin turbochargers on a on a shovel head motorcycle that's probably the skinniest motorcycle you could ride that thing through the crack of a door <laughs> it's crazy brock bridges, the way brock bridges yep. is is doing his fabrication there's just seeing the younger kids do what they're doing with the older but with the with the knuckleheads and panheads and shovel heads yeah, there, there's no such thing as every song's been written. Like they're no. they're literally right. coming up with stuff that's different. I think I think the other thing too is that, uh, um, like the younger generation, 
millennials and even the post millennials, like you said, um, you're also talking about a generation of kids that were raised and they weren't told no. Right. And because they weren't told no, there's no, um, the ones that, that are imaginative are thinking so far away from those of us that had, you know, that had, that were pointed in a direction. You know what I mean? Is that what happened to you? No boundaries. You were not told no. You were like, I can do that. Oh, no, listen, I was told no. <laughs> you just didn't listen. He just, just, yeah, he just didn't listen. care. I had a judge tell me a couple times. <laughs> and I was, and I was, I was raised by a mother who, uh, she was a North Dakota farm girl. And if I wasn't bleeding and it wasn't broken, I, I wasn't sick or I wasn't hurt, right? So I, I was in Southern oh, yeah. California. I was playing a baseball game. I got hit in the face with a ball. My nose was sideways on my face, and she that explains a lot. Hold on, she was on the <laughs> other side of the fence. She goes like this to me over here. She says, "Come see me right now." I walk over, and she goes, "Move your hands." And she pulls my nose down and puts it in place. And she goes, "Your spot is out there on the field." Off and you go. Goes, Dang. And she Off goes, you go. Don't get, get out of that uniform. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> Good for this her. one tough mom. Yeah, she she's my mom. My mom rode back from a, a motorcycle event with a uh, a broken tibia and fibia on the back of an uh, a back of a, a 70s Harley. Hey um, man, I say that all the time. They made they made tougher people in our parents and grandparents generation. Yeah. They, oh, yeah. they just made tougher oh, they people. They did. We're, yeah. we're not tough like that. And I damn sure know that like our daughter and our friends. Pfft, oh, my God. There's no, uh, there's no way. There's I am no raising way. the pussification of America over here. At my house. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying. The oh, word offended, like, like it's a new thing. Everybody's offended. Oh, yeah. yeah. So so I feel like and I go, oh. <laughs> there we go. I tell if my I, kids all the time: you have too many feelings. There's too many. You don't need all those. And feelings. none of them are valid. No, just ball them up and shove them down there. They'll be all right. Oh man! <laughs> Whatever you're feeling on that, that list. <laughs> yes, yeah, see, Brittany's yeah, see, there there having anxiety right now about this whole conversation. I need mental yeah, health days at work. <laughs> Let me try to pull that one off. <laughs> Brittany, that would be a good a time of- to segue to the next question to get you out of that hot spot, you know? <laughs> well, all right. And so the next question we have is from Heathen Biker. And he says, What has been the most memorable motorcycle you have ever seen? The most memorable motorcycle. This is good. this is gonna be so tough because most like, memorable or favorite? No, he said You could do both. I mean, Okay, yeah, this like is this is my him. wife gets to take a shot at me on a national program now. This is so awesome. <laughs> it's so awesome. That's so what my, wives are for. <laughs> my, my favorite motorcycle is undoubtedly the ticket. I, I built a, a 49 pen head that's a tribute to Hunter Thompson, who is my inspiration for trying to be any kind of a journalist to begin with. And it says one side of the tank, buy the ticket, the other side of the tank, take the ride. Um, her favorite motorcycle. No, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Go ahead. I love all the motorcycles that you build and the ticket is probably my favorite motorcycle because it's ours and we've ridden all over hell's half acre on it. But the most aesthetically appealing motorcycle to me is Sugar Bear's Gorgeous. I love that motorcycle. And, and I Bear, love to say it because Sugar Bear gets such a kick out of it. Every time like, every time he sees me, he reminds me that my wife's favorite motorcycle is one that he built and not one that I <laughs> <laughs> But that's okay because it's it's a badass bike. And I've actually 
he actually let me take it for a ride and oh. for as good as that yeah yeah i rode gorgeous and it handles like that a just train. made you sexier you could literally <laughs> you can you can steer that motorcycle it's amazing but i think um it's it's so hard to say man you know i have to say on on so many different fronts like i've seen you know early pat kennedy bikes and i've i've actually sat on and stood with like you know indian larry's bikes like his his original bikes you know the, that that stuff was amazing it resonates history i think Just, it's harder too because for us a lot of it isn't necessarily about the bike but it's about the story that goes with it mm-hmm. so that's what for us and i think for chris if i speak out of turn i'm sorry that's what makes it special is you can have a bike that and no disrespect to, to stock motorcycle owners, but you can have a bike that somebody went to the Harley dealer and bought and they put a hundred thousand miles on it. But when you have a bike that somebody took 10 years to build because they scrapped and saved and they made part or after part ten owners or and, went through 10 owners yeah. or, you know, or Valentine, the 1912, you know, we, I leather just, strap Harley you got, to I ride. just got to sit on the, the very last Crocker that was ever built. And, you know, it's impressive right off of the bat because it's the first motorcycle that's up for sale for a million dollars and the guy's probably going to get it for it. Wow. But it, it is legitimately the last Crocker that was ever built. So, you know, from a historic perspective, that's like, wow, you know, that's this like was, a unicorn. Like this was mm-hmm. this was the end of this. This was the end of this. Mm-hmm. You know, all the history of of the velodromes and bicycles that were going faster and faster. And eventually had, you know, a bunch of, bunch of guys cobbled together companies and put motors on them and they found their way to motorcycling. All of it culminated to the very last Crocker that was ever built. And some companies rose to the top and some of them disappeared, you know, and, and that was a piece of history that was amazing. You know, or if, you know, like I said, it's really a lot about the story. Like, you see Billy Lane on on the banked wall concrete track in New Smyrna Beach riding a, a, a Perry Mac. Yep. Like it's all about the story that goes with it. That's what makes the motor for for me. That's what makes a motorcycle special. I still Aww. can't believe Elvis's bike didn't go for a million. Right, they sold right. it a few years ago. How about Fonzie's? Fonzie's, yeah. yeah, that old Triumph, little Triumph, the what, amount of money that went for. because like he never rode it. If he'd have ridden it, then it might have been worth more money. <laughs> well, and I, I was quick to bring up on our show that that wasn't Fonzie's first bike in that show. It was a knucklehead. And back then he had a black leather jacket and the knucklehead and the network, network executives all felt like that was, you know, too intimidating. So they put him on a Triumph and a brown leather jacket. They kind of tried to soften his image a little bit. Oh, my God. Right. There you go. <laughs> Even the Fonz got pussified. That's where it all started, man. That's where it all started. That's when it all started. It started with the Fonz. Yeah. Who'd ever thought? Jesus. Mm. Oh, that's funny. Anything else, Brittany? No. Yeah, the next question's from Volts. Yep. Oh. Well, let me bring him in. Is Volts here where he can ask yeah. the question? Yeah, I wasn't sure how you wanted to segue that. Hi, Volts. Hey, how are you? Good. Would well, you like to ask, ask your question? Sure. Uh, well, thanks. Uh, thanks for giving me uh, a voice here. Uh, my question was about uh, what's your guys' opinions for um, the path that Harley Davidson went with turning the Enthusiast magazine from a digital, uh, from a print uh, version into a digital only version, and 
And do you guys have any digital version of your magazine? Yeah, so we do have a digital version that goes out every month. In addition to that, you can also, every story that we publish in CycleSource, one at a time they go on to our news blog and they go out through social media for free. So there's a literally a 25-year magazine that we've built on on the website. And as for, as for Harley-Davidson, I mean, on, on one hand, I think a company like Harley-Davidson, like Drag Specialties, for instance, sends out a thing, the, uh, the Drag Magazine. Every month they send out copies to all their dealers and everything. And I think for a company like Harley-Davidson, I think that it should be within the budget because part of the job for a magazine is to keep your core reinvigorated. You know what I mean? And the other part is to, to be entertaining and informative and, and bring new people in. And I think a, a company like Harley-Davidson should be tasked with that you know, proportionately like the rest of us are, you know, so I think that should be within their budget to continue to do print at some level, you know, now I, agree. I, I understand that Harley has done a lot of other great things too. Like they released that HDTV and, you know, they're doing a lot of, a lot of media work on a lot of fronts, but, and I don't want to say this as a matter of criticism for a while there, it seemed like Harley lost its way with, with treating the core rider, with as much reverence as they used to, you know, they were so when, when, when they came out with the mission statement of needing to come up with 2 million new riders over a 10 year period, they started, you know, that's where like all the design changes and the electric bike and, you know, the scooters and all these things were happening. But the, the, the important thing for any, any civilization to move forward is the foundation that it's built on, you know, and that, that happens through pages of things like the enthusiasts and, you know, yeah, sometimes a company as big as Harley, like you just got to look at, okay, we'll throw a couple bucks at that just because it's good community work. Well, and, and I, I agree with that. I think, again, there's something to be said about the tangible, being able to hold it in your hands and flip the pages and go back and reference it. And, and I don't think screen time is awesome. You know, I think, I think there's something more special about being able to hold it in your hands because at that point you're holding a piece of history. Well, and remember what I said too about the reaching the different generations, you know, there's still plenty of baby boomers that are out here riding motorcycles and participating in this community. <coughs> a lot of them, you're not going to reach through social media. You know what I mean? Like they, mm -hmm. they get frustrated with it quick. So they, they want a magazine. They still want a catalog. They still want to walk into a store and be able to see something that they're going to buy, you know, and, and a lot of the ways the world's changing now, it discounts that, that age group, you know, and I think with Harley Davidson, like a company that's, that's steeped in tradition, that still needs to be an impo important part of the roadmap forward. I think the challenge that they have is that as Americans, we view motorcycling entirely different than the rest of the world. The yes. rest of the world sees a motorcycle and they see a tool to get a job done. And we yep. see a motorcycle and we see adventure. And when you have something, a vehicle that's entirely driven on passion, we all have fucking opinions about what that passion should look like. <laughs> and so, you know, like I'll give you a perfect example. I've never once had a new release of a Chevy or a Ford and thought they fucked up the entire company and they're going out of business <laughs> every year. And it's going to happen on January. That's because 26th. they did that a long time ago. They did this so long ago. It's on January 26th, we're going to do a live stream and somebody's going to come in here and tell us that Harley fucked up everything that yeah, they, they did this year and their company is going out of business. 
right? Because it's so passion driven that people, every single person, I'm not, I'm no different. I love Harley Davidson. I mean, it's in my blood. I'm no different, but every single person has an opinion and our opinions are right. You know what I mean? Like we all think that Harley is fucking everything up. They're wrong and we're right. And it's because it's so passion driven. A more unlike anything else, any other vehicle that's out there, we are we are con- completely consumed by the passion oh, around absolutely. motorcycling, and because of that, they're never going to fucking get it right. You know, I mean, <laughs> you have you have a million people out there that think Aquaman is the best thing that ever happened to Harley, oh, oh. and a million people that think Aquaman <laughs> is the worst thing to happen to Harley, right? <laughs> and everybody's, I mean, everybody has an opinion. The, my only opinion on that is if I would see him spray paint another motorcycle like he did the first time they gave him a motorcycle. Did you guys? Did you guys saw that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I yeah. I, I was over that. At- <laughs> God <laughs> damn! I got riled up there, man. I'm telling you. And this was about a magazine. <laughs> he, he got all riled up there. He's gonna have to some, take a minute. Hey, listen. Some some somebody walks up to my motorcycle with a can of spray paint in their hand, and that motherfucker's not gonna walk away with all the. <laughs> how, how did we go from should Harley make a, continue to make a magazine to you going off over? Jason, what the fuck his name is? I it hit me right on the I point. It was passion. See, <laughs> it all came out. It boiled it, over. It, right it, here. There was something <laughs> in that point that it hit you at. Just for the he got very riled up. I I Gosh. absolutely agree with you because there are people that save an entire lifetime, every extra penny they earn to buy that motorcycle. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And he has one given it given to him, and he shits all over it. Yeah. Like just walked up to it with a black can of yeah. spray paint. Yeah. Like, and there are people that would give their left arm for that opportunity or other appendage right yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. you know i right. will go on record of saying this and this is you know completely unprovocated and you know not driven by endorsement at all but uh harley davidson is much more back on track with paying attention to core with some of the stuff they've done lately on both sides of the spectrum if you consider the uh the what do they call the special issue motorcycles again? They do. Icon collection. The icon collection. Yeah. Icon, I'm, yeah. Sometimes I get, I get stuck. The icon collection, absolutely killing it with that. And at the same time, they're starting to understand, like I heard one of you guys the other day on, on one of your shows talking about the Pan American and how you thought Harley was going to screw the pooch on that. I did too. I was one of the people that was, was saying, Hey, look, there is no way given the, the factory's track record, of releases like I'm thinking back to when they first put out the twin cam and within the first six months they had five updates for it that were like critical oil failure and all kind of shit I'm like okay so Harley Davidson's gonna jump into business and try to go head-to-head with BMW and KTM and companies that have been killing it in this segment and I was just I, I couldn't be told that something was gonna come out of that good until I put my leg over that motorcycle and it blew my fucking mind and with things like that, the new Sportster, as as many as many kooks that are coming out of the tree hating for the fact that there's you know they're going to discontinue the Evo Sportster. I promise you, there will be Evo Sportsters after the nuclear holocaust. There will be cockroaches <laughs> and Evo Sportsters. <laughs> there's so many of them on the planet that we're never going to run out of them. But yeah. Harley is doing some good stuff again. They're starting to get the they're starting to get the point that. You know, this is enthusiasm, enthusiasm driven. It is about adventure. It is about the spirit of the thing itself. And, and you know, they're they're paying attention. Yeah, we walked back that Pan America because we fucked. We did. Really we, we, th- we we thought it was a straight turd. Right. Yep. From the <laughs> we, so let's we be careful who we throw back. into that. We group. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mm, I just well, didn't think they're going to be able to pull it off. But it's a beautiful bike. Yeah, they did a hell of a job with it. Oh, I th- I still think it's it's kind of funky looking, and I mean, I'm I'm not an adventure bike guy, but you got to appreciate, man. I went through I went through the first three gears on that thing and never put the front wheel down, and I was like, okay, this is this is for real. <laughs> yeah, it's got some ass for sure. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Well, folks, added. thanks for your question. Yeah, thanks, Thank man. You Thank it. you. Before we get into uh, our segment with Volts, I just I really want to thank you guys uh, first and foremost for um, you know kind of shedding some light on what we've been doing, um, and and really uh, I, I really want to thank you for um, 25 years of doing something for the motorcycle community that um, that not a lot of people have had the fortitude to do, and it it made me think about something when you were talking about it, and there's one thing that all successful people have in common and you can measure success however a person wants to and i'm not going to debate that um but um there's one thing that they have all uh, all in common and, and heather you said it is that every successful person um you know billionaires and athletes um all of them have one thing in common is that they're not afraid to fail and yeah. and heather uh said that about about you, Chris, um, very early on when we were talking about it, is that you're you're not afraid to fail and you weren't afraid to take a chance. And I think that you're you know besides having fortitude, that has to be one of I would say your your most um, one of the qualities that maybe people don't give you enough credit for is your your ability to not be afraid to to fuck up and fall on your face makes you fearless in the eyes of of things that maybe other people would not. Um, be willing to take a chance on and uh, that's an absolutely admirable quality and and thank you for uh, for being that for this for this community and and you know for continuing to to evolve and grow because I imagine what you were 25 years ago and what you are now and how you've continued to evolve and continue to evolve is um, you know is such a testament to that and and allows for uh, a place like the five dirty bikers to land, um, in this community too. So thank you for that. Yes, sir. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for the kind words and for the conversation tonight. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Make sure y'all go to cyclesource.com and get, get going over there and pick up a copy of the latest issue. And if you guys don't, if, 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 we, if they don't get at least 10 new subscriptions from the <laughs> FDB community, you all can fuck off because <laughs> <laughs> seriously, they, we, you know, step up to the plate, stop bitching, get out there and get a subscription and support what these guys are doing because uh, they bring more than any of us have so far to the community and continue to do it. So um, get your asses out there and get a fucking subscription. Okay. And, and one oh, one thing, Tony, you have to do this for me. You oh, have no. to do this because I'll pull this out of a screen capture. You have to look at the camera and say, man, fuck shop talk. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, he put me on the spot on that one. Yeah, he did. All right. Man, fuck shop talk. Yes. (laughs) So speaking of that, why don't you let everybody know where they can they can check that out? Uh, Any every Sunday night, 9 p.m., we we go live with shop talk through Facebook, YouTube. Um, You can catch it through the Dennis Kirk social medias, Broken Spoke, Iron Horse, a bunch of other places. can I throw another one in there? Go ahead. So if choppers aren't your jam and old bikes aren't your jam, check out Torque. That's our new sister publication that 
he was crazy enough to launch this year. Torque Mag um, USA. Yep. Torque yep. They have a show every third. Well, we have a show every Thursday night that's performance driven. Um, that magazine is performance based. Dinah's FXR's performance baggers. Cool. So if you don't like old shit, check that out. Thank you nice. guys again so much. Oh, no problem. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Great podcast. All right. Now Volt. we're going to get what are we doing? techie with volts. Oh, fuck. <laughs> what, are, what are we calling this segment? It's like Volts' vault or. Yeah. So, well, oh, that's a good one. Volts' vault? What do you have? What do you have in the vault for us today, Volts? Yeah. Um, I have four articles here. I, I just want to mention these and nothing too uh, uh, long, basically. Um, the first one. <clears throat> Uh, it's it's something that you guys mentioned already. So uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the ICMA uh, motorcycle show. Uh, ICMA stands for Ex- Exposizione Internazionale Ciclo Motociclo e Accessory. It's a uh, English motherfucker. Do you speak it, <laughs> dude? Is that where you get the Boulevard watches from? Uh, no, you get everything else motorcycling related though. Every new motorcycle comes out. Well, respectable brands will put out their newest models, right? Like they just—it's like like a consumer show for motorcyclists. Basically, what I wanted to bring up was what Moto Guzzi announced: um, is the 2022 Moto Guzzi V100 Mandel. And this this bike is important for two reasons. One, it's celebrating Moto Guzzi's 100th anniversary, which is cool and everything. It's it's kind of a new Moto Guzzi. It's a performance Moto Guzzi that you don't. You don't really see nowadays, but the important part here is the the fact that this motorcycle is the first one that comes with um, what they called active aerodynamics. Mm-hmm. So the body of the motorcycle will actually move uh, depending on how fast shit. you're going. It is. If you look at the videos uh, on YouTube, you will see that there's a couple of spoilers on both sides of the tank. If you put it on touring mode and you go to a particular speed, I, I honestly don't know the details, but you will see that the, the like little flaps will go up right beneath the fairing, which is really cool, actually, and it's the first motorcycle that does that. Um, now, why is this relevant, basically? Um, in, uh, once, I guess, if this becomes popular, it will bring um, comfort for the rider, and hopefully it will improve MPGs, right? That's that's two things that are easily attainable with this type of technology. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I don't, where do you find this shit? Taking off like an airplane on me, though. I know. Where do you find this shit, man? Well, this one was a was a was a big one of the biggest news on on Eichma just because of the type of motorcycle that was announced. He actually uh, reads shit. Totally. I know, man. That's where I get thrown off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it doesn't um, have a picture, then, Tony can't look at it. Yeah, it's throwing me off, right. man. You got to read something other than Home Depot magazine. Oh my God! All right, carry on. All right, the next one is about rider aids. Um, so this one will be pretty quick. First of all. The Multistrada V4, the Ducati Multistrada V4 from 2021, was the first bike that has a radar system, the, the one that was sold to consumers. Uh, a radar system in the front and in the back. The one in the front allows you to have active cruise control. Basically, just like in the car, the bike will keep uh, not only its speed, but also its distance to, the, to the, whatever mm-hmm. um, 
vehicle mm. in front of you, truck mm. or the bike or car, right? Mm. And the, the radar system in the back will actually give you indicators, um, LEDs on the mirrors that will blink if there's a car that is passing you. And it's it's cool because it won't blink if you're passing somebody. It, it, it's smart enough to let you know when some part, something's mm. in your... Um, uh, Uranus? Guess, yes. Dude, nothing <laughs> needs to blink there. I'll tell you. You know something's going on. This this uh this system that you're talking about, is it is it uh constantly active or can you shut it off? Because I find when when I roll up on somebody on the interstate um and I'm mean mugging them, get they get the fuck out of my way. I don't want my motorcycle <laughs> to slow me down when I'm when I'm riding too close to them so they move out of the way. It's, uh, you, I, I believe you can turn it off. Um, okay. At least the one in the back, the one in the front, you can't. But this is not the news. This is literally like a, a, a year and a half old news. The news here is that this system is actually available in three mo- motorcycles uh, that are available to consumers. BMW has it in, in one of their big touring bikes and KTM has it in, in their uh, Adventure S. So it's, it's really old news. What is news here is that Honda actually uh, just released a patent that has exactly the same type of technology that will actually um, uh, like look for objects in front of you. But instead of uh, working with radar technology, which is radio signals, the patent has um, CCDMOS or CMOS sensors, which are basically the ones that you have on your uh, smartphone camera, which are super cheap to produce. Um, that are installed in the like near the LEDs of the motorcycle. This is great because it makes this type of technology way cheaper to produce, and it allows it to be more popular, right? Um, ideally, with this kind of stuff, what you're gonna do is prevent collisions. Like that—that that is, in my eyes, the number one use. If there's an emergency on the road, this system can actually break for you. If you're distracted and something happens in front of you, it will actually might be able to save your life. Yeah. I can see I was this just on, a, gonna... on a Honda because it would it would make perfect sense. I mean, you know, there's plenty of people that that ride the Honda touring bikes, but a BMW touring bike. I mean, those assholes don't ride anyway, so we don't have to worry about that going anywhere on that bike. <laughs> I mean, but the the Honda yeah. touring bike it makes perfect sense because that's you know let's be honest, the Honda touring bike is is you know the the Cadillac of of touring motorcycles so i can see on that it would make it would make Man, sense but. fuck honda <laughs> in their convertible fucking accord motorcycle Volts, how how if practical it's got reverse think- it's not a motorcycle it's true uh, just saying it's a fair point how practical do you think that is adding it to a motorcycle because the i think that technology is super cool but when i think about motorcycles my first thought was you can basically see everything because you have nothing around you to be like blocking your vision. Do you think it'll be really helpful? Well, if you ask anybody who owns a, a Multistrada V4 or V4S is the one that has the radar, he is mm-hmm. going to tell you, he or she is going to tell you that the active cruise control is actually really nice. Hey, because the first time my motorcycle is. slows down too fast on me and my balls hit the tank, that motorcycle's <laughs> going off the fucking cliff. I can tell you that right now. So Ryan doesn't Nobody want to know Nobody needs to get this. Ryan a beer. He's very aggressive this evening. I do not want my motorcycle telling me how to ride. He probably had too many beers. That's probably the real problem. <laughs> I, I I, think it's 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 super interesting um, because uh, – and, and this is what I love about it, Walter. Is that is that y- you you're completely immersed in 
the the technology that's being brought to some of these motorcycles and where personally me i'm looking for a more tactile experience and a less you know like maybe a less technology driven uh experience and so you know i i i see the place for rider aids but i i don't necessarily support them 100% because i would like to see better riders than riders relying on their motorcycle to uh, you know, to take over for where they can't, you know, where they but, can't handle here's, it. Here's what I don't understand. And I've seen people get really passionate about this stuff, right? Like, oh, this sucks. They shouldn't have it. Why the fuck not? Right. If you can add technology to make something safer, to get more people that, you know, maybe will ride motorcycles because of it. And it's mm. stuff that you can turn off. Why does anybody give a shit? Right. I mean, it, I mean, does it, does it really make a difference? People. I've ridden with some people that need every fucking thing turned on yeah. <laughs> and their fucking horn tape down at all times. I mean, I had, a, I, had a, I had a car years ago that had all that crap, right? The side, the sideway detectors. And I mean, it scared the crap out of me the first time I started driving down the highway and shit shaking and blinking and everything. I just turned it off. I didn't begrudge the manufacturer well, from, from doing something evil, you know, there's one of the greatest things about what Harley's doing with the the new Sportster and the Pan American is it has different levels of that, you know, right. interactivity of those systems and yeah. up to and including that you can just turn it all off. You yeah, know, right. so given, given somebody the choice. Yeah, just turn it off. And, you know, I, yeah. the thing I was thinking about, Volts, the other day I'm riding your low rider S with one one mirror, no mirror on <laughs> one side, a little tiny mirror on the other side, couldn't see shit. How awesome would it be to have that technology, right? That you can ride that bike the way you want to ride it, but then I can be safe and secure when I get on your bike. Oh, why don't you just tape yourself in bubble wrap and get in a Volvo and call it good? <laughs> I mean, come on. It's a fucking motorcycle. Let's grow a pair. Let's grow a rider base. Oh. Oh, well, God. if we're going to keep this segment short, I, I just bring the news. You guys can do the <laughs> And we oh, thank I, you for that, Volts. I, I love we it, Volts, and, and I appreciate that because, uh, honestly, that this – this type of article for me would truly be something I probably would not read only because the, the it gets lack his of blood pressure up. Yeah, it does. It gets it. it look <laughs> at my face. My face is red right now. It's typically very opaque and now it's red. The lack of sunlight makes my skin lose its pigment. Well, I certainly think the first segment of Volts' vault, if that's what we're going to call it, was extremely interesting. Yeah. Well, I have two, two more uh, technology pieces here. Okay. Um, they're quick. So we're going to move into the CES uh, Expo that happened uh, uh, in January uh, of this year, actually. So it's, uh, it's basically a consumer, uh, consumer electronic show that happens in Vegas every year. This is featuring 90% televisions, and then the rest, of the, the rest is like prototypes of things that, that people want to sell you or eventually will develop. Very little consumer consumer products, really. Uh, two important things that happen in this event for that might eventually affect motorcycles or, or be passing to motorcycle-related, uh, uh, I guess, stuff. The first one is BMW uh, showed a car with e-ink technology. I saw so that this shit. car would I actually change colors between white and black. Oh, I saw that, too. That was super cool. Hmm. Why would they do that? Uh, if you rob a fucking bank, you can get away. 
You change the color of your car. Do you follow BMW at all? And I'll say that as a BMW driver. You don't you don't need to ask that question is why. Because they can. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, so ink technology does not use any power, basically almost any power. Once, once the, uh, I guess the pixels are set in the color that you want. So once you set it, you can forget about it. It's not going to deplete your battery. Um, they're saying that some of the potential uses for this would be that people in the summer, they want a car that like attra- attracts le- less heat so they can change the color of it. I, I, I think it that's... makes a perfect getaway vehicle. That's what I was thinking. That's what I'm going with. I'd, I'd be going around hacking everybody's bike, turning everybody's bike pink. Oh, your bike's pink, <laughs> yeah, motherfucker. <right>. Your <laughs> bike's pink, motherfucker. <laughs> how long did you cool. learn how to program it to write messages on the car? I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that was kind of silly, but it was interesting, right? Uh, hopefully that, that technology will, will, uh, will get cheaper and and other things will, will start getting it. The next one is one that is going to happen no matter what. So battery technology apparently is is having year by year, battery technology doesn't change that much. There's really not much that manufacturers can do uh, in terms of um, adding more lithium into the batteries without making them bigger. And if they jam like denser lithium, um, they need to use other materials such as silicon uh, for the for the thing to work basically and then they need to worry about heat dissipation it's it's really boring it's more chemistry than anything uh what's happening now is that there's two companies that are actually calling like leaps and bounds um on their batteries like i guess the batteries are are so much more efficient than anything that has been seen in the past in terms of like um performance that it's, it's kind of weird. Um, Mercedes-Benz had a concept car that they are claiming does 600 miles per charge. The problem is that it's still a concept car and they haven't shown anything. They're also not saying how they achieve these massive performance of, the, of their batteries. And then there's these uh, headphones company that's making just like gaming headphones and they're claiming 10 times the battery life from three, uh, three hours to 300 hours which is unheard wow. of. It's impossible, basically. Uh, that's but, a new version of a four Pinto. I'll dude. tell that you what, if Adam up. and Eve got that's a hold of that up. technology, <laughs> <laughs> it would be unbelievable. They would be a worldwide crusher. <laughs> make, a, make a vibrator that would run for days? Is that what you're trying to yeah, say? Yeah, man. I'm telling you, it's something you need a pull start. <laughs> <laughs> I have one technology question for you. Because this is the one thing that, I, that I've wanted to see forever. And as a rider uh, that wears a full face helmet all the time when I ride, I want to see a company develop an affordable, now affordable, meaning the everyman can afford it, not a fucking $7,000 helmet. I want to see an affordable helmet. I want to see it $400. Rock doesn't make it. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> I want to see a sub $400 helmet that has a camera behind me that has a heads up display so that I don't have to worry about turning my head or moving my head to look in my mirrors. The fuck so were I you just see... saying about this rear technology <laughs> on a motorcycle? That's but it's okay on a helmet? <laughs> yes, absolutely <sighs> because this is truly, I mean, all you got to do is put it on, set it and forget it. It's not telling me how to ride. All it's making me do is make sure that I don't have to move my head to look in a mirror or look beside me or see in my blind spot. You know what I mean? It can have a panoramic view so I can see 
all the way beside me everywhere that I want to see and never have to move my head. And I well, and it needs he to be only affordable. likes to move his head up and down, not side to side. <laughs> Especially <laughs> when my mouth is open. Wow. Oh, dude, even if that only when you're sitting at red lights, you know what I mean? Like how many times you've been sitting at a red light going, huh? Exactly. I would think your so, neck would get stiff if you just never moved your head while riding your what motorcycle. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> the last thing we talked about and the first thing you lead on that you lead in on is that my neck would get stiff? Yes. <laughs> oh my god. This is yeah. Well, Ryan, that can't make no the podcast. All right. I'm going to have to edit that out. Oh hell no! That's the opening edit, dude. And I, the Walter, I, I, to, to your point, I, I know that they. I, I've seen a helmet like this, but it's not affordable. No, no, no. I was going to say that they actually made a helmet with mirrors, and it has a little mirror up front, and it has a uh, basically a hole with more mirrors and a hole in the back, so you can actually see behind you if you look up. I don't and need a mirror. This, if my phone can tell me where the fuck I'm going as soon as I sit down in my car, my helmet right. should be able to tell me what's behind me. There. That's true. <laughs> Jesus you are You are so angry tonight. Man. He is you angry. Are. Hey, I, I'm just hey, I, I'm just letting my passion flag fly. Is this Kim Moto coming out? Or are you kind of at that special time, Kim? Or I think he hasn't dressed up as Kim Moto in a while. And it's got him edgy. So, yeah. he's, getting, he's getting the shakes oh, over there. We got to start calling you Kim Counterpunch. Uh, the, the moon is in that weird position for Kim I'm, Moto I'm actually, right now. I'm actually, I'm excited for this segment because I know that Volts always has his thumb on the technology <laughs> and, and like things that are coming out here. And and I can't wait for the time that he tells me that this helmet exists. And I that think it's there's a couple of concept history. helmets already out there like that, isn't there, Volts? There's at least three that came out in the in the last three years, but as he See? said, they're like eight hundred dollars. Yeah, they're not affordable quite yet. There there was one called the Cross Helmet um, that it, on Kickstarter was fourteen hundred dollars, and now it's retailing for eighteen hundred dollars. What you do, Ryan, is you tape a fucking GoPro on the back of your helmet and put your <laughs> phone on your handlebars, and then you're good there to you go. go. Yeah, I thought Boom. you were going to tell me to dress up as Kim Moto and do a pole dance, and then I could buy one of those. Well, my, that too. Uh, that'll help. Yeah. I don't Tony know if you can make that kind of money. He'll still have to move his head. <laughs> Chris might home. be able to get you a job, <laughs> Ryan, if you want to do that. I can make that kind of money on OnlyFans. Don't you doubt me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You can start a new app called Snatch Chat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> dude, that's brilliant. Oh, and there goes the podcast. There, there goes half go. our listeners right there. <laughs> Demonetize. I'm telling you, we're going to catch a charge one day with some of this shit. It's inevitable. FBI's going to come knocking. We're going to piss something. You know, a lot of feelings are out there these days, and we're going to hit one. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, Here's your sign. All right. Well, so I don't have any. Um, I don't have any more news on on uh, technology. Um, what I do have is a few deals that might be worth mentioning for your audience. Anybody looking for a, a good deal? Um, so first, uh, I have here uh, Fastmask, fastmask.com. Uh, they sell flannels that are armored and they have protection. Um, they have half off of those if you use the code flannel99 with two ends. Again, fastmask.com. 
Uh, Speed Kings has a 20% sell on shirts, hats, banners, wallets, and jerky. Uh, with the code jerky. Fresh Gear. Jerky, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Hog watch. The the guys that make the that watch that no, you can put don't your get me on that big ass on. watch that, that I'm gonna have to pull back on that one. Thirty <laughs> percent off with uh without a code. Uh hogwatch.com. Um Great Lake Supply Co. It's a it's a basically a company from from a lady in Wisconsin. Um they start selling uh, Sastec ECE level two armor. And I don't know if you've seen the, the Sastec uh, flex armor, but it's like the thinnest armor you can possibly put in any of your jackets. That actually is a really good deal at 40 bucks for protectors for the uh, shoulders and the elbows. Uh, so 40 bucks gets you a set of four protectors. You can put those on any jacket. Hmm. Um, I got myself like a couple of, uh, sets of those and they they fit every jacket although the, the shoulders ones might be a little too big for some Harley jackets just FYI uh, two more uh, First Manufacturing Co. has a 20% off uh, their custom um, vests you don't need to you need to use a code I think no. the code's applied automatically at checkout but if you don't see that if that has uh, already expired if you sign up for the newsletter They'll send you a 25% off coupon for uh, one-time redemption wow. for any item, actually. There you go. Might be worth checking out. Uh, and the last one that I have here is Amazon has the Cardo Pack Talks on discount. 35% off for the sling, 30% Ooh, nice. off for the Bolt, and 17% off for the Bolt Black, which the only feature is that it's actually black. Dustin, <laughs> um, <laughs> are you listening to this? Well, I'm clear. <laughs> uh, that might be just because of the holiday weekend, um, but it might be worth checking out. That's on Amazon. If you check for, if you search for cargo pack dog, it should. Dustin, you need to go That's do that immediately. Ten four. Cardo. Yes. Because fuck Senna. Before Tony, we go to Uranus, you need a Cardo. Tony, <laughs> Tony, send him some money so you can go buy a Cardo. <laughs> get get a Cardo. And I would no. go with the bolt over the slim, even though yes. the slim is more discounted. Because yeah. I've I have both, and the slim works significantly worse than the bolt. Like the I'll beard. second yeah. that. I'll second it's, that input. It's better to I've be bold than skinny that. anyway. I'm just saying. <laughs> cool. Ryan's gonna have to go take a cold shower after this. He's very <laughs> riled up, man. <laughs> He's very tense tonight. <laughs> Fault you, you must, your Google foo must be spectacular on a keyboard, dude. Just Google the shit out of stuff. And, and the thing is, I I use Bing from Microsoft. Oh. You're the one. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Do you have an Android phone? I I don't. Actually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brittany, that's that day. That's a lesson to you. The, the technology wow. guru here does not have an Android phone. Just saying. Sorry, she guys. Even, she doesn't even know what to say anymore. Nope, I got <laughs> nothing. Everybody's going to wrap it up for this episode of Five Ready Bikers Podcast. We want to thank the Cowans for their time. Make sure you go check out cyclesource.com. Get you a copy of the magazine. Until next time, keep it dirty. Following the Five Dirty Bikers on social media, find us on Facebook and look us up on Instagram and TikTok at Five Dirty Bikers.